Hello, free thinkers. I'm Mickey Z, and I welcome you to Post Woke, the New York City-based podcast where we practice intellectual self-defense. Tell the truth. Don't let anybody (laughs) stop you from telling the truth. That was the voice of Belissa Cohen. She is an LGB activist, journalist, and commentator. She focuses on raising awareness about the negative impacts that transgenderist ideology and the promotion of synthetic sex identities are having on same-sex attracted and non-conforming people, as well as on women, children, and parents. And I'll be right back with my conversation with Belissa after this short word from our sponsor. Hey, Mickey Z here, and I'm asking you to offer some support for a project that I've been running for nearly six years. It's called Helping Homeless Women NYC. And as the name implies, I've been getting out there on the streets for, like I said, nearly six years to offer direct relief to some of the most vulnerable yet fiercest women you'll ever want to meet. If you check the show notes, you will find a direct link for how to donate at GoFundMe. If you're interested in becoming a Patreon patron or in ordering uh, restaurant gift cards directly from my wish list, shoot me an email and I'll send you that information. But I'm just requesting some support, thanking you in advance and asking you no matter what to please share the link far and wide. Now, let's get back to the show. And I'm back with Belissa Cohen. It's been five months since you've been on the show. Welcome back, Belissa, to Post Woke. Well, thank you for having me again. Oh, absolutely. I really, really enjoyed our chat and learned from it. And I got great feedback. And as far as I'm concerned, you're, you're welcome to be a regular guest. And, and so thank you for making time to do this. And last time, we talked about a lot of topics, but one of the things we touched on, I was asking you for input on how to um, not worry so much about being nice to people who claim to be the opposite sex, in particular men claiming to be women. And you were giving us advice on how not to enable them. And I know that your hashtag is, is uh, no female language for men. So this time, I'd like to begin by shifting the focus to those, especially men, who practice what's called self-ID. And for the sake of context for the listeners, according to the always reliable Wikipedia, um, gender self-identification is a major goal of the quote-unquote transgender rights movement. It is the concept that a person's legal sex or gender should be determined by their gender identity without any medical requirements, such as via statutory declaration. For the record, a statutory declaration is a legal document that's not, it's like a statement under oath, but it's not sworn. And they're commonly used to allow a person to to declare something to be true when no other evidence is available, when no other evidence is available. So, Belissa, what do you have to say about self-ID, especially when it involves men claiming to be women? 
Well, you know, self-ID is the hot topic right now because of what's going on in Scotland. The UK has a thing called a gender recognition certificate that renders a person legally the opposite sex for um, almost all intents and purposes. And the ones that it doesn't are hotly contested, like whether um, a man can go to a single sex space for a woman or a woman's prison or this or that. So in Scotland, they decided that they wanted to make it much easier to get a gender recognition certificate. I just looked it up, and in the UK, it costs five pounds, which is about five dollars. And um, I think that you have to have a letter from a doctor, maybe diagnosing you with this condition called gender <laughs> dysphoria, which I think is just like any other, like, I don't like my nose or, you know, I feel uncomfortable about my body because it's this or that. But that's my view of gender dysphoria. Yeah, it's a real thing, but it's not feelings cancer. So yeah. um, in Scotland, they were doing this big thing to try to get it easier, maybe self-declaration or something. And there was a lot of pushback in Scotland. And um, Nicola Sturgeon, the head of whatever it goes on there, had to recently backpedal because a violent male predator declared himself to be a woman and wanted to go to women's prison. And she had to say, well, maybe some of these violent rapists shouldn't be in women's prison. And she had been such a supporter of men being allowed to be women that the backpedaling is, is pretty funny. So that's a big thing in turf land this week (laughs) is watching Scotland and self ID. There's a campaign in the UK to repeal the GRA. Um, That's the GRC scheme. And, um, but I do want to say that in New York City, you do have self-ID. And in California here, we have self-ID, which is that a person does not legally have to change their ID, their driver's license, their birth certificate, any of that. They just have to declare that they are the sex they want to be. And you must address them as that and treat them as the sex they want to be, regardless of what your eyes, your ears and common sense tell you. At at what cost? What if you don't um, adhere to this rule? Well, in New York City, there's a fine of $125,000 up to $250,000 for like egregious misgendering, I guess, as like as like if you deliberately do it, wow. it's um, and this is based on the assessment of the person who is morally harmed, not necessarily um, any kind of logic or common sense. And um, yeah, so there's a whole commission, the New York City Commission on Human Rights, I guess, and they have a law, and that has been around for a few years now. And uh, I'm not sure you would have to tell me if anybody has actually been um, fined $125,000 to $250,000 for not addressing person a person as the sex they want to be or using the pronouns that they demand. Um, 
All right. Well, I'm not going to pretend for a second that I have a definitive answer to that, and I don't want to take take the time to look it up. But I I remember we have some free newspapers here in New York, and I remember before the lockdowns and all that, being on the subway where they handed out these papers, Metro and AM New York, and seeing an article touching on what you talked about. And I would have to imagine in a city that has tabloids like the New York Post and in a city that has become increasingly um, trans-friendly and woke, that if this was happening at least um, more than a couple of times, it would be pretty much breaking news here. So, But you've inspired me to look it up and learn a little bit more about it. And also for my own purposes, because it's like, I here I am interviewing you on a, you know, I live in New York and where, where our statements, are they violating these laws? I, I'd want to know more about that because, I mean, those are pretty hefty fines when, how would you, um, how would they quantify that the person claiming to be an opposite sex um, is being harmed by something, for example, you and I said, as opposed to us just being having the freedom to state opinions. Well, you know, and I, you and I both know that words are literal violence, Mickey. <laughs> How did but, I forget that? <laughs> yeah, but you know, I agree with you. I don't think that it has really happened because I think we would have heard of it, but you have to wonder, they put these laws in place. They made a big deal about it. There's a lot of stuff online about it. They have codes and everything like that. And eventually somebody's probably going to try this out. Otherwise, you know, it was, it's been a few years, but we're heading that way with this self ID. And also I have to include that it isn't just, um, using somebody's pronouns like she or he. It's also pronouns like they and zer. And you could have a whole room full of people with different like elective pronouns, shall we say. And it doesn't matter if you're not an English speaker or if you're neurodivergent or you're um, elderly or you have you're distracted. If you make mistakes, especially repeated mistakes, this could also be weaponized against you because they do say that it doesn't have to be intentional. Wow. That, I, I, I think I am surprised. I was about to say to you, I'm not surprised because when it comes to the trans agenda, I think over the years I've learned to expect almost anything. But that last bit that you said that someone could make, someone that actually, say, wants to use the person's preferred pronouns just makes a mistake and yet they get punished. That just seems, um, it does seem almost impossible and also pretty impossible to uh, enforce. I did, I did, I, I couldn't resist. I went to the always reliable Google and just typed in misgendering law for New York City. And yeah, it, it just gives you result after results um, announcing in legalese, everything that you just said, but there isn't a single, at least on the main page, there isn't a single um, example of someone being arrested for this or charged or anything or fined. So um, it, I guess it's something that I'm going to, not I guess, it is something that I'm going to start monitoring a lot more closely because um, uh, to call it Orwellian it seems almost insufficient. Well, you know, I also want to bring up here that 
many people say, and I agree, what's the harm if somebody wants to think of themselves in a certain way or um, change their name or dress differently? And we none of us think that that's necessarily any kind of a bad idea. But it does become a bad idea when you can self-ID as the opposite sex and enter the single sex spaces Mm -hmm. of either sex, especially women, women's bathrooms, locker rooms, women's shelters, prisons. And then we have the example of women's sports, but, but so this has become a hot button issue all over the world because men claiming to be women are demanding to be treated exactly like women in every situation. And some heterosexual women who claim to be gay men are demanding entry to gay men's single-sex spaces. So it's become a thing where it's, it's impacting other people. It's not just dress how you like, wear whatever you want, um, you know, grow your hair, cut it off, even take drugs that destroy your body for the inside from the inside out. But when you impact the safety and dignity of other people, it that becomes a social issue. Well said. I I couldn't agree more because I have heard people saying, you know, it's none of my business how someone identifies or how they dress. But it can become your business in a hurry. And you've already given several examples, starting with you see a man who makes no effort to even put on the facade of what he would consider to be a female costume. Like just, he just says, from now on, I'm a woman. And you instinctually call him he or him, and you can get fined a quarter of a million dollars. Or you go to um, any type, your daughter is on the swim team and suddenly she's swimming against uh, a an 18 year old boy, or you go into the YMCA and there's a naked male standing next to your child in there. And we don't even, and of course the big, the huge issue of the, of what's being done to children as young as five or six years old in terms of convincing them that they, that they can change their sex, that they should change their sex and they should start relatively soon after that on drugs and and other quote-unquote gender-affirming therapies. I do want to offer one quick statistic here because you mentioned prisons. And in the U.S., women make up less than 7% of the total U.S. prison population. Meanwhile, men constitute 80% of those who are arrested for violent assault and virtually 100% of those who commit sexual assault. So when someone says, what difference does it make? Well, those men, the 80% and 100%, can use these ridiculous laws to finagle themselves to be in women's prisons without making, like, they're fully functional, violent men in women's prisons. Or the other thing that you mentioned is, which just seems to be one of the most utterly frightening concepts that women that are escaping domestic abuse and go to a domestic abuse shelter to avoid, to be away from the male that is abusing them could have males in there with them who say they are women and therefore they've been abused. And so I don't, I, I, 
I'm glad you said everything you said, because this is not just a matter of live and let live, because they're not letting a big chunk of the population live. Well, yeah, violent male predators and sex offenders are being put into prisons all over the world, especially in California and Washington. Um, Recently, a man named Michael Cook was accused of raping two women in prison, but it's happening. Women are getting pregnant in prison. Women are, are having to use birth control in prison because they're worried about getting raped. These are the most vulnerable women in our society, and they have to sleep in the same room and shower in the same facilities as men who very often are uh, convicted of sex offenses. I do have to say there's an issue here that people always bring up about intact men versus non-intact men. And I have to say that even a man who has had surgery on his penis still has a penis. Whether it's been repurposed or relocated, a man who is born with a penis still has a penis. There is only one act of assault that he can't commit. But every other act of assault, he is perfectly able to commit. And studies have shown that men predate sexually at exactly the same rates, no matter what they're wearing and no matter how they perceive themselves, whether they perceive themselves as men or women, the predation rates stay the same. So this post-surgery, well, he's intact, he's not intact, is really, really irrelevant. An impotent man can still commit sexual assault and his penis doesn't work. Thank you. That's an excellent clarification. And I think I slid into that too when I was saying that these men don't do anything to change. They're still men. Whether they do anything or not, they remain men. They're biologically men. They were socialized as men. And these particular men have been arrested, charged, and convicted of violent crimes, quite often sexual assaults. So regardless of what they did in the trans universe to change themselves, they are still men in a place surrounded by vulnerable women that we've reached a point where women in a allegedly all women's setting, like a prison, have to take preemptively take uh, birth control because the other women, and I'm doing air quotes, could rape them. It's, it's, I don't know how any, I don't know how we've reached this point where what, what started as, as we described it the first time we spoke, started as a movement that latched itself onto the LGB movement has now become so dominant and is gaslighting people to the point where everything you and I just described is considered acceptable and also acceptable is is the the grooming and and con- conditioning and normalizing of this to children to to make them more comfortable with this being normal because you and I are of an are of a generation where we it, we don't have to think too far back where we say oh I can remember before all this madness started but imagine what it's like now for anybody between five and ten years old this is they they don't have any memories to say oh, what's going on here? They're just being conditioned that this is normal. In many cases, their parents are going right along with it. Well, as you said in the beginning, you brought up kindness. And kindness is kind of the a big issue here. I think that 
the the be kind kindness they're always putting that on shirts for little girls is kind of a cover for ignore your boundaries erase mm. your boundaries just like you were saying about how do we tell people how do we how do we use correct language how do we say what we think well we just have to realize that the be kind is being used to silence us to gaslight us especially to gaslight children and into not recognizing who's a man, who's a woman, which is essential for safeguarding. And children are going to have to be taught now how to recognize a man or a woman, no matter what he or she is wearing, because women are safe and men are problematic when you're a child. So anyway, but people find that so controversial that we're going to have to really tell kids to dig down. But on the other hand, you know, I'm an LGB activist. And so I do focus on the harms to same-sex attracted people posed by transgenderism. And the LGB movement for basic civil rights was Trojan horsed by the T, big money. And they have an astroturfed movement, meaning not grassroots from the top down, which piggybacked on the LGB movement, which had garnered great success and goodwill. People saw that when gay marriage happened, the sky didn't fall in mm -hmm. and everybody knows a lot of gay people and it's pretty much kumbaya. And um, so the T has really weaponized that they came into the LGB communities and kind of created a lot of foot soldiers for a lot of bad ideas. They weaponized internalized homophobia and external homophobia to create a lot of people who saw medicalization, putting themselves into a medical closet of their own bodies and pretending to be fake straight people as a way out. And um, I think a lot of people took it. But now the thing is that the majority of men who claim a female identity are heterosexual men. And um, that is something that people don't realize. We remember the people from our teens and our childhoods who were these gay men who were very effeminate and thought that it might be better for them to, to live in that role, like pretending to be women. But now it's these straight men who are very influenced by a genre of porn, uh, sissy porn, fe mm. forced feminization porn. And with the explosion uh, of the porn industry, smartphones, porn is everywhere, it's free, 24-7, 365, starting from childhood on up. That is what many of us see as the impetus for so many of these men deciding that they, they want to take this identity and, you know, try to force the entire world to validate their, you know, their porn-fueled fantasies and participate in their wank, if you ask me. Yeah, exactly. It's, 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 they're bringing it into the public what they might do uh, 10 years ago, even in the privacy of their own home. And because they're heterosexual, um, it goes back to your original point of how they become threats to women 
But I just want to I ask I want to ask you to to elaborate on one thing before we go too far on that. When you um, use a phrase like internalized homophobia, now tell me if I I'm on the right um, frame of mind here. I've debated with people saying that a big part of the trans agenda is sort of uh, like a, a different version of conversion therapy, where if you fear being, if, if you have internalized homophobia or people in your life would condemn you for being um, gay or any, or any, you know, LGB, um, you can remedy that by allegedly switching your sex and then theoretically being straight. Is that sort of what you were getting at? Oh, 100% transgenderism is transing away the gay. Initially, that was really the market for um, the client clientele for transgenderism and these drugs and surgeries was, you know, I, I don't want to people to perceive me as gay. I want people to perceive me as heterosexual, even though the sex that the person has with other people is still homosexual sex. Yeah. You know, a, a lesbian who passes as a straight man is still having lesbian sex with women. And a man who may or may pass as a woman is still having homosexual sex with women. So it is transing away the gay. It is conversion therapy 2.0. Transgenderism is not just another way to be gay. It's uh, been really detrimental to lesbian and gay communities. Same-sex attracted people are very, very um, vulnerable to these bad ideas. I, I would absolutely imagine. And one of the um, aspects of the trans agenda that really pushed me towards what they call peak trans was when someone explained to me the cotton ceiling and began to un- and I began to understand how lesbians are being like maliciously targeted by these um, men who claim to be women and bullied and harassed and in some cases forced into doing stuff that they don't want to do which is rape and um uh, can can you explain a little bit more about that, maybe specifically the cotton ceiling, but more about how the continuing growth of this trans movement is specifically um, harming lesbians, even to the point where there can't there, – are there any more real lesbian bars in this world? Like, like, like the whole culture has shifted because men decided that they want to put on a dress and force lesbians to have sex with them or else they're bigots. Well, yeah. I mean, men are classically kind of pushy about sex, which is something we accept about men. It's it's not the worst thing in the world, but it is bad when men who perceive themselves to be lesbians or transbians um, decide that they want to push or harass or in other ways, be horrible sex pests to lesbians and bisexual women because they want to validate their their female or lesbian identity. The cotton ceiling is a phrase that was coined to refer to the lesbians' panties, which are classically cotton. But we also have a phenomenon called the boxer ceiling, which is where a growing number of young heterosexual women who want to perceive themselves as gay men 
become sex pests to gay men. Now, there's a very big difference because women aren't naturally so pushy and horrible about trying to get people who don't want to have sex with them to do it. They are just kind of insulting and and obnoxious in their tweets and their their, you know, Facebook posts or social media stuff. And they insult gay men and call them the F word, which I guess we don't say, and um, all sorts of things. And they call themselves that. They call themselves bonus hole boys and, you know, all Yikes. sorts of really insulting things to gay men. And But the men who want to have sex with lesbians are violent and um, horrible. And there have been marches where these men attack lesbians who are holding up signs that say lesbians don't like penises or lesbians don't do dick. And they're violent to them and they throw water on them or worse. And, and they're, they're, they won't let them be in public. They, these men don't even want these lesbians to say what they think or feel. It's very, you could see it all over the internet if you look. Yeah, I, unfortunately, I, I have seen it. And there are countless memes now made by people defending the lesbians of men pretending they're women with things like baseball bats in their hands and talking about what they would do to these turfs, trans exclusive radical feminists. And, and somehow the, the, the lack of self-awareness with between them and their so-called allies that nobody recognizes it, that this is classic male violent behavior and male threatening behavior. And yet they get away with it because they changed their pronouns and, and it seems like a growing number of people are lining up with this to the point where there's legislation, as you pointed out early on, to defend it. Well, yeah, this is the new sacred caste. This is a new religion. This is the mm. religion where your um, inner sense of your identity carries more weight than your body, the material reality of the sex you were born. And it's very, if you look at it, it's very, it's been uh, compared to cult-ish behavior. It's been compared to a new religion that everybody has to kind of observe these catechisms. Trans women are women, trans men are men, and non-binary people are valid. That's the catechism. Mm -hmm. And there's no debate. It's just how many angels can dance on the head of a pin. It's wow. yeah, yeah, there's a lot to it. Yeah, and and the irony of it being um born out of what was once called the left which once stood for um at least stood for not if if it didn't always do it indeed, it once stood for um open-mindedness and debate and acceptance and diversity. And as you said now, it is straight up thought police and groupthink where if you, like a cult, where if you don't repeat the mantras, um, you are canceled permanently. You are blacklisted. You are threatened. And in some cases you could be physically attacked. Um, I want to, I want to ask you, cause I know, I know you've been covering this and it, it ties into our conversation about self ID. There's, there was a, an incident out it you you'll give me the details of exactly where it was at a place called We Spa and I know that you've been covering um the goings on there. So could you tell us a little bit more about how that fits into self ID and where that 
case or situation is at right now? Oh, yes. I've been covering We Spa since the first two protests. And um, it's pretty interesting. Um, let's see. We Spa is a Korean spa in Los Angeles, which has a women's section, a man's section, and a mixed section where people wear bathing suits. There was a man spotted in the women's section with, they say, a semi-erect penis. And a woman got very annoyed and upset with this. And she went down to confront the management and took a video of herself confronting the management, which went viral. And this man, I think he went on the run, but he's turned himself in. His name is Darren Morager. And he is um, currently being held in jail, in county jail. And he's had a couple of hearings that I've attended. He's about six foot two and 200 pounds. He has shoulder length hair. He um, just looks like a regular dude, but he has changed his driver's license to say female. And he is referred to in the courtroom as Ms. Morager. Hmm. And she and her, by everybody, they all dance to his tune. They all play this game in the courtroom. He's in two different courtrooms doing two different things. So um, in one, he represents himself, which is very interesting. So I've gotten to hear him talk quite a bit. Hmm. He's waiting for his OBGYN report. <laughs> and I've been hearing that more and more frequently, that these men have OBGYN reports. And I just feel so sorry for these doctors. I hope they're not women. But apparently doctors are doing this, which is reprehensible. Nobody is saying no. Nobody is saying this is crazy. This doesn't make any sense. All the medical associations are captured. Mm -hmm. All the universities, all the corporations. You need to look into something called ESG, Mickey. Okay. Environmental, social, government. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, and have a definitely talk more about that. And that's kind of what's driving it. And also, you should look, everybody should look at Jennifer Billick's 11th hour blog. Absolutely. You have to Google 11th hour blog and it will come up, but they don't want you to find it. And that she follows the money to trace back where this is coming from, where it's being funded. So anyway, yes, I am about to go in February. It's now February to another hearing. The first one, five witnesses showed up. You never know what is going to happen. I think that they're going to end up um, pleading it out because I don't think in Los Angeles they're going to want to make a test case of a man who is actually a convicted sex offender. Wow. It, they're going to wait for a better test case to say that well, if he is legally a woman, then why can't he walk around with yes. a semi-erect penis in the woman's area where there are little girls? Like, what makes him a different kind of a woman than any other woman? So I'm waiting for that test case because I feel like that's where we're going. But the big NGOs like HRC and GLAD have not put themselves behind this particular case. So that's why I think it's just going to kind of go away. Uh, I can imagine that. I 
couldn't agree more with your your theory on that because they they need a they need a better face on this case and um from everything i've heard about this guy and what you just said it's not him i do have two questions about that case but i want to quickly comment on the obgyn because someone has told me in privacy that they have spoken to someone um who who is an obgyn who says that when a man comes for things like a pap smear um they they have to play along you know, quote unquote, have to play along. And I know a lot of people with, with all my criticisms of the medical industrial complex during the COVID era here, it's going to sound like I'm just piling on doctors, but this is really just, this tr- entire trend is just another case of doctors going along because I can only assume they're, they're, they would say, well, I can't afford to lose my job because they're involved with the medical, medicalization and mutilation of children. And they, when a man shows up to an OBGYN and they use she and her and ask questions like, when, when was your last pap smear? And it's, it, it, it's something that might have been on Monty Python in the 70s for a laugh, and now it's everyday life. But real quick on WeSpa before we start to wrap up, um, two questions. What what is he charged with? And in your time in the courtroom, does the do the opposing lawyers also dance to the tune and do the she her? Like is it literally universal? Everyone pretends this is a woman being charged, or is there anyone in official capacity that can get away with um quote unquote misgendering this this dude? Well, first of all, I assume he's charged with indecent exposure, but I will look into that. Second of all, everybody dances to the tune. And that what's interesting is if the witnesses do testify is whether the witnesses themselves will be compelled by the judge to use she, her pronouns and talk about her penis, because that is happening all over the world, that victims of assault, sexual or otherwise, are being compelled to refer to their rapists or their predators or their assaulters as she and her. So that is part of the big reason why I'm attending this particular case, even though I don't think that it's going to become a huge cause celeb of any kind, but just to see how far it's gone and whether this is in America, you can be compelled to say that the, some the, the cases I'm referring to have been in the UK where they don't have freedom of speech laws that we have. And um, so I'm wondering how far, I know in New York, you can be fined for it, but this Mm -hmm. is California and we don't have the misgendering law that I know of yet. Okay. That, that is fascinating. The, the, it, it, it makes me think of how these men who now self ID as women and then commit sex crimes and like, they're like, slowly trying to change the numbers I said earlier on where 80% of those arrested for violent assault are men and nearly 100% who commit sexual assault are men. But now in this topsy-turvy world we live in, there's more and more quote-unquote women are being charged with violent acts and sexual assault because they're just men claiming to be women and everyone's dancing to the tune. And the thought of 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 somebody who was in WeSpa 
and may have been traumatized by the presence of this man, particularly the kids, had then have to sit there and refer to him as her or run the risk of what? Contempt of court? And and it's it's just adding insult to injury at this point. So I'm really glad you're covering it. And I, I definitely will follow up with you on that because it, it seems like it's laying some groundwork for that case that you're predicting that's going to be headlines like the Johnny Depp, Amber Heard thing, where suddenly there's a case that every day it's a top story and they're waiting for the right um, the, the right cause to, to, to shine here. And maybe this is a test case where they're saying, how far can we push to the point where victims could be punished with contempt of court if they don't call their assaulter, the man who traumatized them, if they don't call him by a female name, female pronouns, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it sounds like something that, um, again, I'm so glad you're covering it because this is not small potatoes. This is foundational work on these people's part to normalize this and to, and to look for that bigger case that's going to sort of seal it into law. Oh, yeah. Well, when they do finally get a challenge, it'll be like War of the Titans because HRC has something like a $41 million a year budget. And then you factor in like GLAD and all these. You wouldn't believe like the richest organization, Southern Poverty Law Center has like half a billion dollars in assets. Um, these people have so much money in such deep pockets. It'll be like Scientology going, the government, you know, had to give Scientology uh, tax-free status because they just wouldn't stop suing the government. So when these people try to go up against, you know, they'll go up against the government and they'll just, they'll just throw so much money hmm. at this situation and it, it's just going to be, it's going to be insane. But I do want to say that like in the UK, their rape law is that rape can only be committed by a penis. So there's um, a lot more women committing rape in the UK these days, but in, in the U S you Rape, rape doesn't necessarily have to be explicitly a penis to commit rape. So there's really, really a lot more rapes committed by women these days than there ever used to be. Men create commit 98% of sex crimes and assaults, women 2%. But, the, you know, they don't keep accurate statistics anymore for crime or for medical issues or for... Um, any kind of statistics now you can self-identify as whatever sex you like. You can put X on your birth certificate. You can put X on your driver's license. I wonder what's going to happen when somebody goes missing and everybody want like wants to search for this person and they're like, well, they have an X and, and they're non-binary and they're, you know, how are we going to search for people or find them if they're lost or, you know, kidnapped or anything when there's now no markers for what they actually look like. Wow. And then, and, um, Rachel Dolezal aside, I am also waiting for the moment that m more than one person says, all right, I, I'm on board with this whole trans thing. I'm, I may look white, but I'm black. And let's see what happens when that happens, because I think we know what the initial response will be. But it's, it's, I wonder if it's going to, the pushback might take that form. Where it's like, oh, it's that simple, self ID, because it's 
then can you self-ID a different age, can, you know, a different race, a different nationality? Can you self-ID that you're vaccinated? Like, like how far, if, if this is a legal stance, then how far can you push it? And I wonder if, if there are going to be activists taking that route because the direct route, as you said, is going to be met with these massive lawsuits and they have the ACLU on their side and they already have legislation on their side. But I wonder if they can almost be defeated with their own, you know, the, the, the master's uh, using the master's tools type of thing, because um, at some point there, there needs to be this glaring um, sort of like McCarthyism, where where it looks like there was nothing that was going to stop stop Senator McCarthy until this one army guy started to called him out in a way on the Senate floor that it collapsed in an afternoon. So what looked like was here to stay and only get worse literally was gone in an afternoon. And so I like to speak that into existence and, and hope that more and more people like yourself are out there doing this research, spreading the word, and coming up with with new creative ways to expose the madness of what's being accepted as normal. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, everybody should get a front seat to this because it's the best show in town. (laughs) Well, on that that note, Melissa, I am so grateful that you took time again to do this. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. And as I said, I'd love to do this on a regular basis. So as we wrap up, is there, are there any closing thoughts you want to share with the listeners? Tell the truth. Don't (laughs) let anybody stop you from telling the truth. And as long as your job, your livelihood doesn't depend on it, tell the truth. Amen. So thank you again so much. And um, I look forward to the next time we chat. Great. Thank you. My pleasure. I'll be back with some closing thoughts after one more word from our sponsor. Hey, Mickey Z here. I trust you're enjoying this episode, but I wanted to take a quick break to request that you seriously consider becoming a paid subscriber to Post Woke, because Post Woke is more than this podcast, which is a weekly podcast with crucial, important conversations with crucial and important guests. Post Woke is also a Substack on which I post on a daily basis. I'm talking about written posts. And I, first and foremost, I am a writer. I have 12 books out and I have been writing for many decades. And so you're getting quality content at least once a day, all for $5 a month. And no matter what you decide, you can become a free subscriber if you choose. I ask you to please share the link and spread the word. And while you're at it, Check the show notes for information on how to order the post-woke t-shirt. It is a completely cool kick-ass shirt, and you could show the world what your favorite podcast and substack is. So I thank you in advance for your support. Again, I urge you to spread the word, and let's get back to the show. In our conversation, Belissa and I spoke about the inevitability of more and more people coming to their senses, waking up, getting informed, and standing up to this madness. And within the activist community, this is called hitting peak trans. 
In other words, there comes a point where the insanity is so obvious that you can no longer play along. And I can remember my own peak trans moment. It didn't happen during Occupy, but it came close because there was this dude at Occupy who claimed to be a woman. And he didn't look an iota like a woman. And he befriended me. I'm not really sure why. I guess, I mean, I was always there and I was pretty popular. Um, But as hard as I tried, and I was trying at the time, as hard as I tried, I ended up, quote unquote, misgendering him a couple of times. My brain couldn't say she or her when interacting with this person. And he eventually unfriended me on Facebook, made a big deal about it. And and it was a cause of problems for me in that community that was fast becoming super duper queer and trans friendly. It wasn't when I first joined them. So this is about um, mid to late 2012 by this point, almost a year after Occupy began. So I kind of floundered from there. I was challenging activist techniques, drifting away from these groups anyway, but it was in the summer of 2015, specifically June 2015, when two big stories broke. One was a woman, a white woman named Rachel Dolezal, who was trying to live her life as a black woman. And then there was Bruce Jenner, when he at that point he began pretending he was a woman and still does to this day. And it was confusing. There was a lot of cognitive dissonance, at least in my mind. And my best friend, Allison Gray, sent me an article that appeared on the website Common Dreams, written by Adolf Reed, and it was called From Jenner to Dolezal, One Trans Good, The Other Not So Much. And Reed sums up at the end of the article saying, the trans race slash transgender comparison makes clear the conceptual emptiness of the essentializing discourses and the opportunist politics that undergird identitarian ideologies. There is no coherent principle defense of the stance that transgender identity is legitimate, but transracial is not, at least not one that would satisfy the basic rules of argument, close quote. So I'm going to link to that in the show notes if you guys want to um, check it out. But I remember it came out on June 15th, 2015. Allison sent it to me. And by later in that day, I hit peak trans and never looked back. So maybe that's an article you can send to someone else who is confused on this issue. But ultimately, thank you for listening and thank you for caring about these issues. And thank you for keeping your guard up.